Besides working at Fort Evansville, Jonathan, Sarah, and I all have something in common. We come from a church communications background. So, as you can imagine, since we work with a lot of churches, this topic comes up quite a bit. So we thought it would be fun to have a discussion with you about what your organization communicates. We're going to talk about how a physical environment subconsciously shapes people. Are your decisions shaping people into consumers? Or are they shaping people to feel like members of a community where they belong and participate? Is the comfort of your congregation important? Let's talk about it today on the For Evansville podcast. All right. So the world of church communication is an interesting one. I think it's probably worth acknowledging that we all come from like kind of a similar church background too. So our experiences aren't necessarily representative of everybody's church experience. Um, But I think there are some things that we'll talk about and and draw out regarding um, communication beyond like graphics and videos and things right. like that that are more broadly applicable but yeah and it's not this conversation is not for necessarily for communications people it's right. for the church leaders and pastors who are communicating on a daily basis no matter what yes and i think our the fact that we came from that world of church communication we just are more likely to see like oh what what message is this sending yes whether it's intended to send a message or it's just you know something that you do um that that does communicate something that's what we're trained that's what we're trained to do is what message is this sending and so not everyone has that filter all the time right and sometimes you're the bad guy in the room you know right you're like you're the dream killer because they're like we're gonna do this (laughs) they're like no no you can't do that that. and here's what you're communicating when you say that and everyone's Mm -hmm. like Oh, and yeah. of that. So, yeah. yeah. I mean, or they still are like, no, no one's going to think that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I think, trust your communications people. Right. And I think one thing that we all have in common as people with a church communication background is that um, we all probably have some embarrassing moments or projects <laughs> in our church communication um, resume. Yeah. Yes. That come to mind. So, I'd be curious to hear. What comes to mind as as one of your most embarrassing church communication things that you today wish that you could go back and be the dream killer in the room to say, no, no, don't do not do that. Yeah. Am I going first? Sure, go ahead. Well, two things come to mind. One was something that I did, and the second was something that like the church wanted to do and I wish we'd never would have done. So the first... Um, a lot of times in communication, sometimes you're in front of a camera, sometimes you're not. Um, but either way, you're usually part of, of helping tell stories in different ways. Uh, we used to do this. I, I was in, in my role. I ended up in front of the camera uh, by making videos. Sometimes they're really silly, but it was like your typical, like, here's what's going on around the church. Uh, but w- I would usually try to interview someone. So they also thought, hey, for this kids program, we want to use you for this idea. And so... We thought it was going to be really fun, and then it turned into a thing that people recognized me as. (laughs) I dressed up like Elf on the Shelf, and we created a green screen, and I was sitting on a a couple apple boxes to make it look like I was sitting on a... um, On like uh, an actual shelf, right? On a shelf, on like a fireplace shelf. Oh, yeah. And then I'm like interacting with kids like, hey, guys, like saying all these things, and then I pause her responses, and like watching it now, I'm like... It's a very Blue's Clues yeah. uh, kind of thing. <laughs> I've seen it. this video, and I thought your performance was Thank outstanding. You. It you. was, yeah. Jumping off of the apple boxes was really fun, and then turning that into, like, be falling into a stone. Yeah. It was, you know, it was pretty fun, but then it was, like, the next year, like, we need you to do that again, and I did it one more time. <laughs> and then after that, they're like, oh, are you doing it again? And I'm like, oh, I don't know, I lost the costume. I don't know where it is. <laughs> it's gone. It's gone, and I can't I find one anywhere. Church's to help. <laughs> yeah. That's right. It's like, I want to be taken serious. And then like, no, I don't. But the other thing that comes to mind, um, it's like one of those things that people talk about magnets. And I'm like, don't do it. Just don't do it. We (laughs) we uh, one summer, we were trying to find ways to keep people kind of engaged what was going to be happening through the summer and going on into like the beginning of a fall, which is a pretty busy time. People go back to school 
And there's always a lot of things going on. And so they're like, let's do a magnet that has all the events on it and we'll print them and we'll give them to people. That way they know like things to come to, which is a whole nother thing. Like we were telling people something we wanted from them, not giving them something for them, but that's part of the conversation later. And the first time, like it's usually kids ministry or next gen ministry, whatever your church calls it, youth ministry. You have a whole, so you have a whole year. Of I, events. I think we had six Print. months. Oh, okay. Yeah, six okay. six months of events. Fun Printed. Um, and the first time something changed, like a date needed to change, it was like, okay, that's going to happen. It's fine. And so right. like we made a video talking about it. The second time it happened, I was like twitching a little bit. And then the third time I just went on video and I just said, oh, there's another change. And I just started cutting it with scissors and <laughs> I just threw it and walked off camera. Like we're never doing this again. Yeah. It was like, what a waste of, yeah. but the idea is that we have so many other platforms now to for things to change and shift and, you know, those things need to happen. But it was a, right. an idea I would not recommend doing again. It's much easier now that you can just post on social media about your events and not have to but should tell you. people they can't <laughs> cut up their magnets. So well, that's a whole other conversation. Okay. Speaking of social media, though, that is mine. I ran my church's social media account and did not log out of it. <laughs> oh, so, no. you know where this is going already. Um, my husband likes to prank me by posting on my personal social media account very strange things in the stories. Uh, so where people will like be like, what? Are you OK? Or like, I didn't know you cared so much about this topic or something. <laughs> and it's usually really funny, but he was trying to hurry because I left the room and so he did not pay attention at all and it ended up being my church's social page oh, no. and he didn't know I didn't know <laughs> I get a text from a couple of like staff and pastors that are like I actually appreciate their response because it wasn't like you're fired or, or like <laughs> what but they all asked if I was okay <laughs> like, I think they thought I was going like unhinged yeah just like i'm going rogue i've got all the account yeah. information and i was like they're interacting with you like yeah. someone with a detonator to right. a bomb they're right. like hey adrian we can talk yeah. about this we can get through this so i was like what are you talking about they're like do you want to check our social page <laughs> and so I looked and I was mortified, oh, and no. so I had to like delete it all. And thankfully, not too many people had seen it yet. But it was just one of those things. I was very What was his reaction once he realized he'd done that? Was he mortified? Or was he laughing? He well, he. I mean, obviously, he thought it was hilarious. Yeah. But at the same time, he was like, "I I obviously don't want to compromise sure. your job or get you in <laughs> trouble at work." Like, right? He also worked there. So. Like, yeah, that's rough. Um, well, the one that comes to mind for me, I, I have tons of like examples of ridiculous skits and things that I was yeah. in because that was like just part of the church culture that I grew up in. Um, but the one that came to mind to me this morning <clears throat> as I was driving into the office was um, really early on in my church communication experience. I was uh, just a high school student in our youth group and doing all the communication stuff for our youth group. And our youth group was called SLAM, which stands for Students Living in Mission, which is another church communication thing. It's always, you know, the acronyms and the cool names and things. But another like common thing was sort of like taking something that was popular in the broader culture at the time and like making a Christian parody of it and thinking it was cool. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. A lot of sermon series uh, names are that way or graphics or whatever, you know, yeah. like uh, we had a poster that was like right when Facebook came out, but it was, it said Facebook on it oh, and it was man. like a profile of Jesus. Yeah. And that yeah. one was like kind of meant to be a little cheesy, but it was also like just trying to be relevant, you yeah. know? <laughs> and so, uh, this was back in the days of like everybody had an iPod Touch and iTunes was like where you got your music and iCarly was like really popular at the time. And so it came time. Where is this going? <laughs> oh, I know where it's going. It, it came, just clicked in my head. <laughs> it came time to uh, create our youth group website, oh, which was no. really exciting and cool. And so I'm trying to think of like, oh, man, what <laughs> website name do we want? And so I thought, oh, we could call it iSlam. 
and it'll be kind of like iCarly or like iTunes oh. or whatever. Um, but then it occurred to me, not only was the domain iSlam already taken, um, but it also spelled the word Islam, which was going <laughs> to lead to some brand confusion for our church and also <laughs> probably confusion for any of our Muslim neighbors who were living in uh, the community. Goodness. So uh, it was one of those things that very quickly, as I was pitching that idea to other people in the ministry, they were like, um... Why, why don't you write that on the marker board and, and we'll just kind of look at it. And it was like, oh, yeah. So, so yeah, um, I slam never happened um, and probably probably for the best. That, that makes me think of like the church um, email addresses for pastors oh, where, yeah. <laughs> where they're like, okay, we're going to use everyone's first initial and then last name. Yeah. But sometimes there's some really unfortunate combinations. Harry's. Like mine. Is yours? Sin man. Uh, oh, sin man. Yeah. <laughs> that's, right. that's me. Okay. Yeah. See, like yeah. that. So, again, <laughs> if you think everything that you do communicates something. So, yeah. intentionally or unintentionally. Right. Um, so, okay. This, you even sent us a reel last night um, about just let's like take a look at the over, like a big, broad, like what does your church communicate when somebody walks through the doors what would they see what would they notice and what are you communicating to those people so can you explain that reel that you sent us yeah a little bit and so the the reel was uh a couple of people talking uh about how a lot of times in larger um churches i would say probably mostly like um yeah, yeah, larger churches that have like their building is structured with a big stage and oftentimes like auditorium style seating to accommodate a lot of people. Yeah. And they were talking about, um, you know, this idea that uh, oftentimes in a large church like that, it can be hard to cultivate community um, and that there's got to be a lot of intentionality around that and that. Um, even just the physical structure of a room like that is sort of communicating to folks who are coming into that space that um, your posture in that space is not to engage with other people. Like this isn't a space that's designed for relationship building and um, conversation. It's designed for you to come in and sit down and watch what's happening on stage. It's sort of like um, how almost everybody's living room, like all their furniture is pointed at the TV. Yeah. Um, so it's like your living room is designed to, it's designed to be a TV watching room, yeah. not to necessarily facilitate connection and conversation. And so you can still have connection and conversation in a living room where all your furniture is pointed at the TV, but you kind of have to do it on purpose. You know, it's like the the room itself communicates to you Here's what this room is for, and yeah. so it's uh, it's on, it's on a subconscious level. Yeah, but it's more either, I would say, dangerous or permeating than you would think. Yeah, yeah, and I think, and I I think that before we even get deep into any of this conversation, it is important to acknowledge, like it even I guess what we're what we're probably aiming for in this conversation is not to say, hey, we need to redo the, our church buildings and we need to redo all of this stuff. Well, maybe. Maybe, I uh, don't know. <laughs> but um, but that even just paying attention to those things right. is a really important step. Because like I said, you can still point all your furniture at the TV and, have, and intentionally turn the TV off and have a conversation. Right. But recognizing that that's that's what the room is uh trying to get you to do um will help uh help you be more intentional about that so right and i think though it is worth noting like if we want to solve some of these problems that we're going to bring up like the consumer type of christianity that we believe is a problem right now in the church that we're gonna have to do some sort of drastic measures mm -hmm. uh, and it might be necessary and 
um, I think when you're talking about the TV and the, the couch and everything facing the TV in the living room, that comes from Andy Crouch's book, The TechWise Family. Mm -hmm. And we read that, uh, my husband and I did, and we made the decision to move our TV out of the living room because of that. And we have seen, it's not per like we're not a perfect TechWise family <laughs> or anything like that, but we have seen our living room become mm -hmm. the space where we hang out and end up doing arts, more crafts, Legos, like things that are more creative. Right. And end up like playing like word games or something with each other. That's way more connective. Whereas when the TV was in the room, my five-year-old is going to constantly every five minutes ask, are we done yet? Can we watch TV? Yeah. Right. Like it's always on his brain because he can see it there. Yeah. Yeah. You're, you're sort of like setting yourself up to have to sort of swim upstream in order to do those other activities because you're fighting against the, the environment that you've created in a way. Right. And so on a church level, like we're talking about living rooms on a church level, um, in the book, you are what you love by James Smith. He talks about something called the liturgy of the mall. And I'd, I've always thought that was so fascinating because he says the mall is very religious in a way because it, and it's very liturgical because you walk through the doors, you see icons, statues dressed up in the way that you want your life to be want your life to look at so he compares it like i would i would suggest reading the book um or even just looking googling the liturgy of the mall because it's fairly popular uh concept but comparing it to how people used to walk into a church like these big ancient cathedrals mm -hmm. and how they were set up Got and it's stained glass windows very similar maybe some church buildings do have like physical statues too right and yeah. so you see these kind of biblical grates mm -hmm. on the walls and in the same way in a mall you see famous people like i want my life to look like that i want my clothes to look like that and so even a mall is set up very intentionally to walk you through a process and they even talk about the transactional stage of being mm -hmm. like this kind of communion moment is like when you pay and like yeah. you're getting this transaction and it becomes a very religious or liturgical experience. And so older churches were set up to be in the shape of a cross. So that's already on your mind. As soon as you walk in, you can choose where to sit, whether you're, fa you know, whether you're facing or if you're in one of like the, wings, the side parts. The side parts. So, there. yeah, you can see more people than just... Never noticed that before. Yeah, the people facing yeah. you. You've got all of the imagery on the walls. Mm -hmm. um, Very high ceilings. So, yeah, so you pointed. feel small and your attention is kind of drawn upward. Yeah. You're engaging the senses where, uh, again, in a mall, you're going to you're gonna smell Bath and Body Works like as soon as you walk in or if there's one. Or the soft pretzels. Or the soft pretzels. Yeah, Annie Ann's, you know. The line is way too long. <laughs> right. <laughs> so so there is something in just the, the physical space that really sets your mind on things. And one of, like, a friend of mine took her son, um, and he he's like five years old, and he was at an like a you know liturgical service in one of these old cathedrals and she was like i gotta do everything i can to make this kid not bored you know yeah right but when it came came time for communion he was looking at the stained glass depiction of the lord's supper mm. and he tapped his mom my friend and said that's what we're doing. We're doing the same thing as Jesus and his disciples right now in this room. And she was like, yes, this is what this is about. This is why we have beautiful art of this, these ancient practices, because he is making a connection that he is doing the same practice that Jesus did with his disciples. Right. And I think that's a really beautiful thing. And so I, I think our building space matters a lot. Yeah, and I think the thing to recognize from, and I think kind of the central point behind the liturgy of the mall is this idea that 
Um, he's using this religious language of liturgy <clears throat> because the point of a liturgy is to form the people who are participating in that liturgy in a yeah. certain way. So when you think about the liturgy of a mall and you use that religious language, he's really drawing out how these um, societal norms that we participate in all the time shape us into a certain kind of person. Like whenever I, whenever going to the mall is a regular part of my life, it's shaping me to be a consumer. And um, the way that it's structured and the way that I engage with it is creating patterns and habits and ways of thinking and even shaping my desires in a way that it's shaping who I am as a person. Yeah. Um, and I think it's also worth noting that, um, you know, the examples we're using are kind of like we're looking at older churches and how they're structured right. um, or more traditional churches that are more rooted in older traditions um, versus like newer uh, traditions. I, I think it's worth noting, though, that a lot of newer expressions of church, I think, had a lot of that same intentionality in the choices that they made. They said, hey, um, we recognize that the physical environment that we're in shapes people, and we want to make church more accessible. We want people to feel more welcome there. And sometimes these other liturgies have um, felt inaccessible to people. So we're going to simplify church. We're going to strip it down. We're going to remove some of those common traditions to sort of um, help people rediscover like what the essence of church is. So I, I guess what I'm getting at there is um, this talk about liturgies and what what do all these things communicate and how are they shaping people? Um, I, I wouldn't necessarily say like, oh, this way is better than that way. Uh, there are ways that are better than others. But to say the important thing isn't, are we going to do church this way or that way? The important thing is, are we being intentional about the decisions we're making and how they're shaping people? And are they shaping people to be consumers and customers, or are they shaping them to be um, members of a community that um, that they feel like they belong in, that they're participating in and contributing to? The really, so I, I listened to that whole podcast. It's the one they're actually talking about worship music, and I think it, again, it's something that communicates to people as they come in and uh, they actually talk specifically about like, yeah, stained glass windows were the same idea, right? We're trying mm -hmm. to give people an idea of kind of a theology and an understanding. And sometimes I think that's what we're trying to do in music as well, uh, that people are trying to, to give songs or be a part of songs and singing together um, that are helping people know and understand some theology. I don't know if it always comes across that way or not, but Again, and then later on, actually, the one you sent, they were talking about, they were responding to a pastor coming and saying, telling his church um, that the reason why community wasn't happening is because they were leaving too early, coming mm -hmm. late, and uh, for all the people sitting at home watching online, like, you're the reason why the church right. community isn't happening. And again, what does that communicate to them? And so that's what their response was, was like, well, what, what resources and time and what are you pouring into telling people this is what that is? Um, and so it's like you're telling people two different stories with what with your words and how you're acting, like we're right. creating content for online. Mm -hmm. And we're saying, but we need you to be here at this time and leave at this time. Like right. that's, a, that's a tough thing for people to kind of process and understand. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That idea of like, what do we put resources towards communicates a lot. Um, what do we celebrate communicates a lot. Like what we're really talking about here is um, creating a, a certain culture or atmosphere within a community and the way that we spend our resources and the things that we celebrate um, communicate what we value. Whenever we just step back for a minute and take an assessment of like, what are the things that we're communicating are valuable and is it the same as what we want to communicate is valuable. And whenever we talk about showing up at a certain time, leaving at a certain time, what we're communicating is what happens on Sunday morning 
is the most important thing. And I think we do want to celebrate what happens on Sunday morning and communicate that that's valuable. But um, I think oftentimes the disconnect between uh, church leaders or staff members and their congregations is that for church leaders and church staff, Sunday oftentimes does become the most important thing. And that is what they value the most because that's what they're pouring their heart and passion into. But people in the pews, they have a lot going on throughout the week that is uh, valuable to them too. So instead of like creating this competition between what's happening outside of church and what's happening inside of church, what would it look like for us to communicate, celebrate, value what's happening through a church body throughout the week whenever they're outside the walls of the church. Okay, so that made me think of a question that maybe you guys have an answer to since you both grew up in church. Is there something when you were a kid growing up that your church maybe unintentionally communicated, like, this is what we want you to aspire to be? Like, if you do, if you get to this point, you've like made it as a Christian. <laughs> For me personally, um, it was definitely, I, I um, had the opportunity to start preaching and teaching in our church at a really young age, like as a teenager, um, because our youth pastor did a really good job of um, empowering students to be in leadership positions, which I really appreciate. Um, and, and there was a lot of intentionality about building a culture around that. Um, but the interesting thing is that oftentimes that looked like, um, wh- whenever you thought about what's it look like to be a leader or to be somebody who's really active in the church or in the mission of God, it looked like, uh, ministry activities within the church which is valuable. And I, and I appreciated that there was sort of this democratization of ministry within the church that we can all, we all have gifts to build one another up, which I think is, is right and is important, but there wasn't as much emphasis on what are the gifts that maybe somebody has been given to minister to their neighbor or their classmate, or, um, there was, there wasn't as much time spent on building up those kinds of things. So for me, uh, I grew up with aspirations of being like a preacher on a stage in front of lots of people. We would go to like big conferences and there was always like, you know, somebody really cool (laughs) up on stage. Like anytime you went to a church camp or a conference, like that person always had a lot of charisma and rapport. And it was sort of like, they were celebrated, you know, and, um, and that was sort of maybe unintentionally presented as like, that's what it looks like for God to really move in somebody's life is for them to be up on a stage. And, um, yeah, I think there's a lot of like celebrityism within the church that happens not just with big name, like actual Christian celebrities, but then um, I, I like, I don't want to sound arrogant or anything like that, but I felt like because I was pretty well-spoken and good at preaching that oftentimes, uh, I would, I would go to events or speak in small settings and was treated a certain kind of way that, that I liked at the time. And it yeah. like, I got to be the center of attention, got to be celebrated in that way. And looking back, it's like, man, that was like, that felt like celebrity culture influencing a much smaller setting. And um, frankly, I I think that could have been really dangerous for me as a young person who was hungry for attention and didn't have the maturity to know how to handle that well. So um, yeah. Interesting, okay. Being on stage, the the things that are positions of ministry and leadership that are up on stage, I think that just automatically communicates this is important. We're shining lights on it. We're putting it up on a stage. We're creating reels. You're, yeah, you're, the cool things you say. Yeah, and yeah. Um, 
yeah, I think it's just important to be intentional about that. Not that those things shouldn't be celebrated necessarily, but they shouldn't be celebrated more than other, like how do we also elevate um, the person who's serving in the nursery and just praying over people's babies, you know, right. and changing diapers. Like yeah. that's such a Christ-like um, yeah. act of care. Or even like, I think taking it beyond that, like our work, we talk about the idea of faith and work, like mm -hmm. the way that your faith is part of who you are. It's not something that just happens on Sunday morning. And I think that's kind of the question that you're um, helping shape here of like, what were the things that, you know, were communicated to you? Mm -hmm. And, you know, we talk a lot about uh, for Evansville, we want more churches to be a part of supporting schools, supporting educators, teachers, kids. Mm -hmm. The teacher who is a follower of Jesus and also is a teacher doesn't always have to be t preaching in that right. aspect, but they are the people we should be celebrating in some of those spaces. Those are right. the people we can learn stories from and hear from. And you're right. What we, instead we hear are, hey, this pastor talked about this and this is the thing that we share. But man, those are the people that, you know, we're trying to continue to elevate voices, I think. Yeah. Yeah. And I think there, there have been some really cool examples here locally of churches doing that. Um, taking intentional time on a Sunday morning to celebrate people in different professions and the way that they're adding value to um, the city. And I think things like that are really small steps that are easy and very impactful. Like if we, if we said, you know, hey, we're really going to tackle this problem of our church looks like a concert venue, that takes a significant that, yeah, change and a lot of investment. Yeah. And I don't know that I would say that churches necessarily need to do that. If they feel that that's the right direction for them, that's awesome. I would love to go to a church where everybody sits at a round table, eats a meal together, you know, here's a teaching. and uh, But that might not be a reality for yeah. Um, churches, but to just but what say, are some small steps that a church could take? That's not like revamping your whole, mm -hmm. you know, worship center. Yeah. What, what are some things like, I, I was thinking like, what are things I wish I would have done different in my time as a director of communications for a church? And I think, you know, even the way that our meetings were structured or the meetings that we had were focused on you know, what's going to go on the screens, what's the creative going to look like, uh, what's going to go on social media. And instead, I wish we would have had more like, hey, what what stories, let's have meetings talking about what stories of things that are going on in the people that we mm -hmm. um, are in community with. Yeah. Um, and, and I think we tried to do that, but it, it's just a cycle where you have to get some of this other stuff out. But if we could get past that a little bit, and instead of having a meeting about social media or uh, what videos we're going to make or what's going to, you know, what we're going to pull, like who, what if we had actual outreach conversations? We went out into, um, you know, one of our friends always talked about, man, we should shut the church building down two mm -hmm. days a week and we should all be out doing things. Um, maybe that's extreme for some people, but I think there's a lot of opportunity in that for us to see things beyond what we're just staring at and thinking these are the most important things. So helping I think just changing the way what I would be looking for, what I want to communicate would be totally different now. Yeah. Yeah. Whenever I think, I, I think the idea of the physical space where we worship can almost be like an analogy for a lot of other things, right? This idea yeah. that we sort of structure our space around a stage and what happens on stage is what's celebrated and important and and it's for practical reasons, right? Uh, if you have a thousand people coming to your church, you need a sound system for people to be able to hear you. And right. you might need to be on stage for them yeah. to be able to see you. And maybe you need big screens for them to be able to see whatever. You so there are some practical considerations there. Um, but the question then becomes like, what are you putting on that stage? What are you right. What are you platforming? And I think that's the deeper, more important question for us to ask. Um, and that goes for like social media and that type of communication, like that we're celebrating videos that we're producing, um, and and the way we structure our time together as well. Are we making time for people to just hear from one person, or for them to hear from each other? Are is somebody standing on stage and praying over everybody? Or are they having opportunities to pray 
together and for each other? Are we, are we platforming just what's happening on Sunday or within the walls of our church? Or are we also giving time and attention to um, what's happening through our church in the community and, and blessing others? And I think that's kind of where this conversation intersects with um, what For Evansville is all about, yeah. advancing human flourishing through the church. It's about um, saying, okay, your church community, whether it's big or small, um, it's a it's a point of attention and connection for people in the community. Is that attention and connection being directed to um, to just a few people who are on staff, or is it being directed and stewarded in a way that um, that I feel like I could see myself on stage at church uh, without being a staff member? That that yeah. my um, participation in this community is also being celebrated and also being platformed because I think that communicates to everybody in your church, like, Hey, you really matter and you belong here and you're not here to be a customer or a consumer. Um, but we need you to participate and to be part of this and, uh, and you're valued and you're part of the story. And I think, I think if ordinary people aren't being uh, given that time and space and attention, then it's easy to feel like, man, I'm kind of just here to consume what's happening on stage. And what really matters is these people who are really gifted at leading worship or teaching God's word. Um, and, and my gifts and involvement don't matter as much. I'm just here to receive the good things that they have to offer. Right. Or even causing how I was going to answer that question that I asked earlier is when I was a kid, I was like, you've got to either work on staff, like you were kind of saying, I was like being someone in a position at church on staff or being a missionary. I think mm-hmm. like hmm. our church was very into missions mm-hmm. and that's great. I mean, obviously that's amazing. Right. And, and by missionary, we mean you're moving to another country yeah. and you're sharing the gospel with people and either as a preacher or a church planter or maybe just an ordinary community, but not this community. Right, right. And so those those are the ones that were brought up on stage. If they ever came home, there was like big parties for them. Mm-hmm. Um, they got to preach or talk about their ministry. And again, those are not bad things at all. Yeah, we should but, celebrate that. Yeah, we should celebrate that. But that's kind of what I thought if I wanted to follow God and give my life to him, I had to kind of end up in those spaces. Right. And and that's what we we're talking about is we we would rather have Christians out in the community or doing both. You know, there's there's a need sure. for both. And as we at Four Evansville want to highlight the faith and work aspect as well and get people thinking about you know, the people that work in banking and teachers and schools they're just as important and they have the same mission from god as the missionaries do um but some things that our churches our church is trying to kind of combat this a little bit um and they're trying to add some more practices in and there are things that ruffle feathers like they're going to make people in the congregation yeah either mad or uncomfortable because it's it's just new it's a change and they are used to being consumers but you're gonna have to ruffle those feathers if you if you want those things communicated because i think the the positives outweigh the negatives in the end but our church did something as simple as turning all the lights on during worship Hmm. so that the people on stage are not actually like the only people you see with (laughs) a spotlight yeah and and at first it was really jarring because you're like, oh man, I can see everyone in this room and it feels and they really strange. Yeah. yeah. And you're like, why is this so weird? And it's just because that's what we were used to is it being dark and you kind of being able to worship by yourself. Yeah. But then all of a sudden you're looking around the room and you're like, oh, I know that person from my work or that's actually my doctor and I didn't even know she went here like yeah. sort of things. And you start to see like, I'm worshiping with a community, not 
by myself, individualistic. Another one was communion. Instead of getting it yourself as you walked in the door, now you have to get up and get it in the middle of service. Mm-hmm. Um, another one was taking moments out of the, like right at the end of the sermon or even maybe in the middle of worship being like, we're going to put some prompts on the screen. It might be a get to know you question. It might be some prayer prompts, but you've got to find the people nearest you to you and form groups of like six. And each one of you go around and answer this question and pray for each other. Yeah. And that's Man, really uncomfortable. That's so uncomfortable. It's really yeah. uncomfortable for people. Yeah. And some people just like flat out are like, no, sorry, yeah. not going to do that. Yep. But, I actually, I remember a hearing like a church consultant or like one of these people who's like an expert in telling you how to grow your church and reach more people and stuff. This was a long time ago, but I remember them saying like, man, churches should not have a time where you get up and shake people's hands. This was something that we did in the church where I grew up in. It was like after worship, everybody gets up, walks around, shakes each other's hands and just greets one another. Yeah, we we used to have that. Yeah, and the thinking was um, that's going to make new people in your church really uncomfortable because they don't know anybody. Mm -hmm. And so the motivation behind eliminating that was you want new people to come to your church and to feel comfortable and I, and I think a lot of changes are around that. We want people to feel comfortable here. And I think the heart and the intention behind that is good. But I think that's one of those things that I've just began to personally challenge is I don't think we want people to feel comfortable at church because I don't think comfort leads to deep relationship. And I don't think it leads to growth and formation and valuable experiences. I think... Uh, <laughs> I think we want to yeah. create um I think we want to create experiences for people in community where um they're made to be not where we're intentionally making people uncomfortable, right, but where um we're intentionally helping them grow and connect in ways that feel maybe uncomfortable and safe, you know, that's yeah. it still feels safe and I don't feel like I'm gonna be embarrassed or anything where I'm always being pushed a little bit out of my comfort zone or, or maybe invited out of my comfort zone a little bit into closer relationship with God and with other people into deeper um, love for my neighbor and for our community. And that's not a comfortable journey. It's stretching right. and growing. Yeah, I think that's so important. Like being pushed a little bit out of your comfort zone is what causes growth and change and not stagnation, I guess, in a way. But also, you've got to be honest that community is messy. Mm-hmm. So when you try to hide that in your own church, yeah, like again, what message are you signaling? If if our it's church, okay to be messy. Yeah, if our church is all about comfort, then do our lives need to reflect that too? Mm-hmm. You know, and so you're sending even a message that way of you cater to people, you know, or something like that of the complainers and things. It's like, well, that's, I hear you, but this is community. We're going to have to agree to disagree or. That's a really good point because people then, if that's what they see and think that's what, you know, a church community is when their life is messy, they stop coming because they think they're not supposed to be there anymore right. because yeah. they're not. And it's like, man, we've communicated the wrong, the whole wrong gospel in that space. Um, and that's, I think, something really to be aware of, to, that we need to be open about mistakes and things that we haven't done well and we're going to change and try to look at differently. Um, I, I think a couple of things that keep coming up, like even the language that we're using, we're unintentionally saying worship. We mean music. And mm-hmm. yet we right. say worship. Yeah. And, good point. And worship is the whole service, the whole life, you know, the whole, yeah. but we... And life beyond church. Absolutely. Well. And yeah. yet we all say it because that's kind of where somewhere... Mm-hmm. We think worship is music and it's so much more than that. And again, like another like idea of just like proving our point of like communication is yeah. so it's everything. Mm-hmm. And then, um, yeah. in, in thinking of, um, you know, the church, like we mean people. And yet, you know, a lot of times we're talking about Sunday morning services or the like things that we want to change. We think about changing on Sunday mornings and it's like, but there's, there's six other days of the week, uh, that we are right. part of community. Uh, with one another's lives, how do we integrate that more? Um, and I, I, I don't 
I don't have solutions. I have ideas. I don't know if mm-hmm. they'd work, but right. I, I love hearing things like turning the lights up during the time of singing and we're going to actually look and see each other. Um, that is awkward. And I actually appreciate it being darker because I'm one of the people that I'll get distracted and think like, yeah. like oh, someone's looking at me like now I don't feel yeah. I can be authentic in myself. And when it's darker, I feel like I can have a more personal moment. So like I see both sides of that. Right. I also think uh, we were talking about this is way back earlier in the episode, um, talking about stained glass windows, like mm-hmm. the way that church buildings were structured was artistic. It was full of art. And I think what you're seeing modern, more modern churches is they're trying to continue being innovative in art and being artful and artistic. Yeah. And I think sometimes that gets skewed in a different way. And I think I just want to take a moment and, um, uh, you know, celebrate church leaders. Like if mm-hmm. you are on staff at a church is hard work. And, yeah. and, I, and we all know that. We've all yeah. felt that, that it's something that you don't ever turn it off. You're always thinking about it. You're always, um, you know, thinking like, what's the next thing that I can do to help, you know, move this mission forward or at least sharing the gospel. Mm-hmm. And you're also in meetings a lot thinking about those things and your brain is just constantly kind of being pushed in some of those spaces. And you're getting a lot of people coming and asking you for things mm-hmm. and you're supporting them. and um, Or so- telling you things that you need to do yeah providing feedback whether you invited it right like sometimes like us no (laughs) right but i mean yeah just that i think those are things too that i can't i can't thank church staff members enough for the time that they're pouring into some of these things and i know that you know you're getting people you know giving you ideas all the time and i think if we can all come at it and look at it and say hey we all want something better mm-hmm. how can we work on that together and not feel like we're disappointing anyone even though it's going to happen or make people uncomfortable as we should mm-hmm. um but there's an opportunity for all of us to work together on that yeah yeah and i think um you know we've mentioned some very practical ideas on like oh this little change could produce this or that i think it's important to note that every church community is different and there's mm-hmm. i i feel like there can be a lot of talk about you should have the lights on or you shouldn't have the lights on. You should do music this way or you should do it that way. And I think that kind of misses the point. It's more about are you being intentional with those things, asking the right questions and paying attention to how are those things shaping your specific congregation instead of looking at another church and saying, well, it's working for them, so let's just copy and paste that. And that takes... A lot of extra work. It takes a lot of leadership courage, you know, to say this is the way that we're going to do it. Um, we're going to do the best we can. We're going to try. Might not make everybody happy. It's not going to make everybody happy. Um, but I think also um, an important aspect of that is listening to the congregation and finding out, you know, hey, what's your experience of church like? Do you feel like you're connecting? Do you feel like you're um, valued and celebrated here? What could we do differently? Um, and and just having that conversation and being intentional, I think, is what's going to surface some of those ideas. We all know the answer. Let's get rid of those little plastic communion cups. <laughs> like crackle. Yeah. The whole, yep. like Styrofoam. That's right. Coffee creamer. Yeah, I'd, we don't even have time to get into what that communicates. Yeah, that was a whole other section. Um, what does your communion communicate? <laughs> Can we all agree? What is it, communion, Kate? <laughs> oh my gosh, he's really in the like classic oh, no. church stuff right yeah, now. You can tell. Go, I communicate. Tell. Com is already taken, John. That's right. Um, the I the can we all agree? Well, we can all agree on that on the little styrofoam cup things um, or styrofoam things, but. Can we also all agree that as communications people, the worst feeling in the world, the most terrifying thing, and Adrian still does this at our organization, sending an <laughs> email. Oh, Send oh, a yeah. mass email. <laughs> right. The fear you have right before you send, you're like, oh my God, I do everything. There's got to be a typo somewhere or a link out of place. Yeah. And yeah. then you get that first response of like, hey, this isn't working. You're like, uh, no. Yeah. yeah. It's the worst. So communications people, we appreciate you as well. And I would say it like none of us left our communications positions because we were fed up with it, but we're actually extremely passionate. Because we were fired for, you know, accidentally posting on <laughs> social media the wrong thing. Right. Yeah. Um, but like 
we have a great passion for this because we care so mm -hmm. much about what you're communicating and even what we communicate here. And that's a huge part of Farmansville as well as, as what we're communicating to our city. Um, but yeah, there are those little changes that we think you can make. So my challenge to our listeners is can you, what, what's the first step you can take towards either maybe it's just analyzing with your staff, like, mm -hmm. Hey, what do you think? Some things that we're communicating, let's, let's, listen to this podcast together like or something where it's just like let's start that conversation and don't be afraid of trial and error mm -hmm. like if you want to change up your communion do it for six months and then and then reevaluate see what happens it's it's okay to trial and error yeah but walk your congregation through it yeah. and, and listen I, throughout that process and yeah listening is is the huge part of that is listening to your congregation listening to what you're communicating and kind of reevaluating because if you have an answer for what you're doing rather than this it works at this church and we mm -hmm. like it then i think that will build trust among yeah. your people and they'll they'll feel ownership in that process of like yeah, yeah we made this decision together as a church and here's why that yeah. there's intentionality behind it i yeah. think that's really good and i think that acknowledges too again i think the reason that we're even addressing this topic is because as an organization, we believe in the local church and in yeah. its ability to influence the well-being of our city and what churches communicate and how they form their people week in and week out um, is massively influential for our city. And if, um, if churches are really intentional about forming their people to love their neighbors, to be contributors to the church community and to the community at large, that's going to have ripple effects um, that are just hard to even imagine. That if people are coming in each week and they're being formed and sent out um, and, and, and what they're contributing, even if it's small by some standards, um, is being celebrated, then that's going to be hugely impactful for our community. Can I throw a uh, thing out something out there? Yeah, yeah. Just for anyone listening, that uh, maybe you're a one or two person team and you don't have anyone, reach out to us. We'd love to take you to coffee, get to know a little bit about what yeah. communication looks like for you um, in your faith community, or if you're have a large team and you want to talk about, we would just love to hang out and have some of these conversations with you um, beyond just you know this space because mm -hmm. we want to take this idea and not just tell you about it, but also practice it too. Yeah. You know, we'd love to be able to listen and learn uh, what things you've, you've been a part of, but genuinely we'd love to, you know, we'll pay for it. Jonathan will pay for it. I will. Jonathan will pay for How it. How can they reach out to us, Sarah? Like an email us at connect at forevansville.org um, or you can go on our website. You can email any of us directly. Um, our information's on that page as well on our staff pages, but we'd love to just get to know more of your story. Thanks for listening. Mm -hmm.